Nice snap. Option, Elliott. Touchdown. When you come to the Big D. Fakes to Elliott and they go deep downfield and getting open and making the catch at the 25-yard line and taking it all the way into the end zone is Tavon Austin. Touchdown, Cowboys. You get beat down. The pass is caught. Cooper off to the races for the touchdown. This is the Big D Beatdown. Hey there, Cowboy fans. Welcome to the Unbiased Podcast on America's Team. I'm your host, Austin Smith, and joining me as always is Coach Ty Rogers, one of our analysts over at Pigskin Nut and a lifelong Cowboy fan, and we are the Big D Beatdown. And we are brought to you today by pigskinnut.com, the soon-to-be undisputed king of football news and rate and podcasts. Whether you're in your car, taking a break from work, or just relaxing at the house, it's always better to be doing so while you're getting your football fix. We break down players on our pro football scouting show, as well as tackle some of the most current and controversial topics on our football roundtable. We discuss some of the all-time greats on our show wide right and put out exclusive shows on some of your favorite NFL teams, such as the Giants, Eagles, Browns, Broncos, Chiefs, Steelers, and of course your Dallas Cowboys. Also, college football fans, be sure and check out our newest show, College Football Central, where I join host Josh Davis to talk anything and everything college football. Make Pigskin Nut your ultimate source for football news and podcasts. And remember, guys, Pigskin Nut is the football news that you've been missing. All right. Uh, and today we are going to talk about that Cowboys win over the uh, the New York Giants, uh, you know. And, and you know, it's funny. We've we've been hearing a lot of, uh, in the 24 hours since that win, we've uh, or less than 24 hours, we've been hearing a lot about... Um, about how all oh, this was just the Giants. This wasn't a win. Bad start, you know. And and my first thing is this, you know, I, I'm wondering at what point, you know, all the 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 critics out there, all the Cowboys fans with unreal ex- expectations, guys. At what point do you look at this five and three football team and say, guys, it ain't going to be perfect. There aren't going to be games where we just dominate wire to wire without missteps. That 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 this team, what what on earth in you know in this team's recent history makes you think that they can go out and just absolutely beat a team, you know, from the the opening play till the final snap without any sort of missteps on offense or defense. That just I'm I I think that uh, cowboy fans are being a, a little overcritical, and 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 a lot of the media is too being overly critical. That oh, you know, that wasn't the prettiest win, and the cowboy, you know, it's just the Giants, blah blah blah. You know, are, are we nitpicking, Coach Ty? Um, yeah, in in, in a word, uh, yes, we're we're nitpicking. Uh, first of all. I love the, the passion of Cowboy fans. I wouldn't be able to do this, and we wouldn't have this podcast if Cowboy fans weren't as passionate as they are about the team. However, Cowboy fans uh, and, and the great Randy Galloway used to put it this way, uh, you know, Mondays were overreaction Monday. Uh, you know, it's overreaction Tuesday because we played on Monday night today, and the overreaction is uh, quite strong in, in the chicken fried nation, as he would say, uh, today. You got to look at the NFL for what it is. Um, we look at 
records and we've got power rankings now. We've got all these things uh, from sports writers, half of them who don't really watch the game. Uh, let's just be honest, and I'll challenge anyone in the media who wants to talk to me about understanding football, and I don't care if you played NFL football or not. I will, I will take you on when it comes to analyzing and really understanding the game uh, with the content of this podcast. Uh, but a lot of people who are in this industry, they don't do that. Um, and yet they, they have all the solutions for why the Cowboys didn't, you know, do like they did in week one and, and you know, blow the Giants out, uh, you know, 35 to nothing in the first half, which, by the way, that's not how it went in week one anyway. Uh, if you guys remember, in week one, the Giants scored first and we were all a little bit concerned. The, the modern day NFL doesn't even have a dominant team. You can talk about the, the 49ers and how they're 8 now. Tell me who the 49ers have played. Name one team that the 49ers have played that is up in the upper echelon of playoff teams currently in the NFL. We'll find out who the 49ers are when they play the, the Seahawks. We found out who the New England Patriots were on Sunday night. The Baltimore Ravens gave them everything they could handle and then some and dominated them up front. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, who came into Dallas and, and ripped apart the Dallas defense a couple of weeks back, they got beat by a team that is uh, below 500. That is the modern-day NFL. When people say on any given Sunday, any given team can beat anybody, that is the truth. It's not something that's said because there was a movie that came out with Al Pacino uh, that, you know, that, you know, dramatized that. It's actually true. People who've played the game at that level, myself, for the very brief time that I had the opportunity to, to be in camp uh, with some of these NFL teams, you don't understand the amount of athlete that is on that field even on teams like the Miami Dolphins until you've been there. And the New York Giants played the Dallas Cowboys in week one. They knew what the Cowboys were going to do or had a good feel for it. They've had you know, seven weeks of film since then. They're looking at their game plus all the other games that they've done. Now, you know, I'm just a humble high school coach. Uh, and that's, I guess, you know, people can say, well, you don't know, you don't coach in the NFL. Well, okay, that's fine. I guarantee you, if you give me any high school team or college team or NFL team, and I look at a team that I lost in week one, I get a second chance to play them and get seven, eight, nine weeks of film to study, I guarantee you the results will be different. And it may not mean that the outcome will be different, but the results will be different. And I will do my best as a coach, and any coach that's worth their salt would, to take away the things that the team is good at. And the New York Giants did that for a little bit of time during this game. However, the New York Giants did not play a great game. The New York Giants did not really give much of a scare to the Cowboys, if you really think about it. Even right before the half, with four minutes left before our, our, our friend uh, you know, that uh, Austin has uh, named, I'll let him tell you the name for our, our, our feline Mi- friend that came Mi- on Mi- the field. Mi- we're, we're calling him Mr. Bojangles, the black cat that headed onto the field and turned it all around. Mr. Bojangles. Right. Uh, you know, before Mr. Bojangles <laughs> decided to be the 12th man for us, um, and by the way, I'm not trying to copyright that Texas a and I'm a Longhorn fan. Hook him and too bad. Uh, but anyway, uh, that being the case, uh, even with that, it was 12-3. to 3. Uh, and, You know, and then by the time the half was over, it was 13-3 to 3 Cowboys. This game was always in reach. There was never any threat in my mind that the Cowboys were going to lose this game. Now, they didn't play great in the first half. There were some turnovers and some unfortunate things that happened. But for Cowboy fans to think, oh, my gosh, it's, uh, you know, this start is too slow. 
The Cowboys are not very good. Dale Hansen said last night, Duncanville High School could have beaten the Dallas Cowboys. That's a lot of exaggeration. And maybe a, a couple of cocktails over at Texas Live where, where Dale was having a good time. And, and I love Dale. I was a, a scholar athlete uh, for uh, with Dale Hansen when I was uh, in high school. So nothing against him, but his, his analysis was wrong. Um, the, the Cowboys did not play the best first half, but by the end of the half, they were ahead. And from there, they proceeded to dominate the, the New York Giants. All the stats say that. Everything that you look at metrics-wise says it. If you watch the game film, you see it. It's not that big of a deal for us not to blow people out 35 to nothing in the first quarter. And Cowboy fans got to understand that. It's the modern-day NFL. Absolutely. You know, the, the idea of, of dominating team wire-to-wire, wire, that's just, guys, it's, it, it doesn't happen in the NFL that often. I mean, go look at any game. The Miami Dolphins have competed – for a good portion of the games they've been in, more often than they've gotten blown out like they did in Week One versus Baltimore. Go look at you know, go look at the numbers, guys. It it happens. These are professionals. There is money on the line. These guys are going to go out and give you a heck of an effort. It doesn't matter who it is. The Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, the New England Patriots, top to bottom, you are going to get a heck of an effort. From, you know, the players that are stepping on that football field. Sometimes there's a bad apple. Sometimes there's a few bad apples. Guys, it's still going to, you know, result in a a competitive effort the majority of the time. And that's exactly what we saw. Did the Cowboys have a slow start? You know, it's funny. We moved the football. We, We got stops against the New York Giants. There were some untimely penalties. There were some, you know, some third down blunders uh, early on, and that's what I want to talk. And obviously, yeah, there were some turnovers. And let's talk about that uh, a little bit, Coach Ty, because, you know, I'm wondering exactly where to put the blame for some of the early problems. And, you know, I'm having a hard time because, you know, two of the plays I saw early on that that Dak Prescott made a mistake, I, I, I can't really tell you if it was a mistake on Dak's part. Or it was just a play call. You know, it's easy to look at that first play and say, yeah, that's an RPO. Dak was, you know, had the option to hand it to Zeke or pull it and throw it on the slant to, I think, what, what, what was Michael Gallup. The problem is, Dak Prescott doesn't make, usually does not make horrendous decisions like that. That safety squatted. Antoine Bethea was not coming to defend the run. He was going to hold his ground and make you hand that football off. Dak Prescott, you got to hand that football off. Now, and and Coach Ty, we talked about this uh, pregame. I mean, we just, we don't see Dak make those kinds of mistakes, which makes me wonder, was there any option at all? Was this literally more of just a play action where we never intended to hand the football off? It was going to be a throw all the way. Yes, it looked like an RPO, but it was going to be a throw all the way because I just can't imagine, you know, Dak Prescott didn't see Antoine Bethea. That's who you're reading. You know, he's the, he, he, he's the strong safety on the play side that's walked down, and, and, and that's exactly what you're reading is him. Either you're going to come up on the run fake and I'm going to throw it over the top of you or you're going to hold your ground, in which case Ezekiel Elliott is getting this football. Um, the same went on the, you know, in the red zone uh, later in the first half where, you know, he chooses, he's looking Lorenzo Carter right at him. Lorenzo Carter has not turned his shoulders. He is still square to the line of scrimmage. He is still open to be able to take Zach and, and, and Dak pulls it on Ezekiel Elliott handoff. And it's like, bud. 
the your read told you exactly what to do, and that that was to give Zeke Elliott the football. You know, uh, was there really an option there, Coach Ty? I don't think we can answer that because the bottom line is. You know, we we could say a lot of things about Dak Prescott. Doesn't have the greatest arm in the world. Isn't always the most accurate. But one thing Dak Prescott usually does is make good decisions. Will he occasionally get a little greedy on a throw like he's done maybe once or twice this year? Sure. That happens. But you know what? Very seldom do we see him just flat out miss a read and make a horrendous decision what are you thinking, Coach Ty? I mean, I personally, I, I'm wondering if there's it was any option attached on those plays. Like you said, it's really difficult to tell. Um, you would have to really be in Kellen Moore's head to know the difference. Uh, you know, from uh, a from a execution standpoint, I have a hard time believing that there was an option. And here's why: um, when you talk about the run pass option, which is, by the way, the most overused term in football at this point um a lot of things that we see that are run pass options are play action they're designed for the ball to come out and be thrown to the receiver um there may be a run if you know the uh the box is a certain way pre-snap but ultimately the quarterback's not really reading somebody uh to see whether or not they're going to play the run or if they're going to sit back uh a lot of times it's just meant to get the ball to the 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 wideout I think that's what you saw on that first play. Um, like you said, I didn't see Dak Prescott really read anybody. He wasn't looking, uh, and you don't. And primarily, you're not going to read a third-level defender. The read on an RPO is generally a second-level defender, meaning that's a linebacker um, that is either right outside the box or is isolated on a receiver. You generally don't read a, a second-level or a third-level safety. So. I don't think that that's what happened. I think that it was a play-action pass. I think that he, you know, tried to get the ball in. And ultimately, what I guess should have happened, if you want to put it that way, is that Dak Prescott should have seen the read there and realized, okay, there is no way in the world that I'm going to get that ball in there, and there should have been a check down for him to throw it to. Um, it didn't happen, and he threw it right into the hands of Antoine Bethea. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that, who knows, um, you know, the, the option play – same deal i think that was a called option um that he went ahead and took the ball and, and there was no option to really give it to z kelly because again if, for it to be a zone read play uh there has to be a read of the defensive end well first of all in a three-four system you're always going to have to read the outside linebacker because that's going to be the guy who's going to actually be the stand-up guy responsible for uh the alley second of all the read that was there was the defensive end basically uh, squatting and, and shuffling down to the hip of the tackle. Well, that's not a read that you pull the ball on in any type of zone read system, unless you've already predetermined that the quarterback's going to carry the football. Um, so I think that that was very possibly what happened. It didn't look like, uh, you know, that he was sitting there watching the defensive end, seeing whether or not he's going to turn his shoulders and then pull the football. It was very much kind of take your hands across your belt, make the action look like you might hand it off, but ultimately you're going to keep the football. Um, now, could I be wrong about that? Absolutely. I, I could be wrong on both uh, occasions, but the execution says that these were predetermined, and sometimes you're, the defense is going to get you. 
you can you talk about being a brilliant play caller, but no one is a hundred percent play caller and no one's going to execute everything perfectly, particularly against a division opponent who has seven weeks of film on you. So uh, I think that's what happened. It, it, it was costly uh, for the Cowboys with the interception more than, you know, the, the failed third down, but, you know, those third things that happen in an NFL game, the question is, do you overcome them? And the Cowboys did. So uh, not as big a deal, I think, as it, you know, might end up looking to the average person watching the game. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there. You know, were, were there some blunders early that, uh, that you know, that caused the slow start? Sure. You know, Antoine, first of all, Antoine Bethea makes a hell of a play. That's, you know, when you're that close to the quarterback and he's throwing, you know, a dart on a on a, a slant route like that. I mean, guys, that's that's tough. I mean, that's that's tough. You know, usually that ball gets batted down or, or you know, uh, you know, best case scenario for a defense, it gets tipped up in the air. You know, I don't think you're ever, you know, hoping to catch it as much as just get it up and, you know, get a hand on it. It gets up and somebody, you know, behind you ends up getting a hand on, you know, getting their hands on it. But you know, heck of a play. Yes, they had the right play called. You know, I mean, and and Antoine Bethay, you know, if if Dak was going to pull it and throw, Antoine Bethay was in the perfect position he needed to be in. I think the only chance Dak had at making a play on that, uh, if it was not an option, because if it was, then the the read was perfect. You give it to Zeke Elliott. You know, Antoine Bethay's walked down like that. Then you know he's your read. He's the one cutting off your your light of your line of sight to the slant. So you know he's your read. The bottom line is, um, his you know it, it, either it was an option, in which case the ball should have gone to Zeke, or it was a design pass, in which case Dak. You know, even if you pull that ball down, you know, by the time you know Michael Gallup gets out from behind that, you know, and you've given him the time to get out from behind Bethay the corner's most likely caught up or the play side safety or a linebacker or something is dropped in. So, you know, I mean, it was the right defense, you know, uh, you know, on the first play of the game and uh, didn't make up well. The other thing I'll say before we go to break is, uh, you know, I, 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 I wonder what was going through Tony Pollard's head early. You know, this is a guy that we have just pounded the table to get him more opportunities in this game. And sure enough, on our first offensive drive, he gets some. But the focus was just just not there. And I wonder if maybe he got a little uh, a little, you know, uh, shook by that opening kick, which was not his mistake. Anybody, oh, he stepped out of my guys. That was a perfect kick with a terrific bounce. And you know what? At Pollard, you got to make a decision, bud. E- either you, you're, you're going to cross your fingers that it comes down out of bounds or that it comes down in bounds but bounces out. Or you just got to feel it and make sure that the Cowboys end up getting the football no matter what. I I think he made the right decision. You know, that ball is coming down close to the boundary. But you know what? If it takes a hop into field of play, New York's got a good chance at getting that ball inside the 20. Now, yes, that ended up happening anyway, you know, because the interception on the first play. But at the end of the day, you know, Pollard, I thought he made the right decision. He fields it. Yes, he's half out of bounds. And, you know, and we end up getting the ball at the 11-yard line. We've got the ball. That's what's most important, you know. Eventually, you know, you just got to, you, you, you know, in, in the, you know, the timing of the play, you just, you got to make a snap decision. And you know what, Pollard? You made the decision that ensured the Dallas Cowboys got the football. I'm not, you know, I, but I wonder if that decision 
you know, oh, we're starting at the 11. That's not how you wanted to start this thing off. I wonder if that got in his head early because the two plays down in the red zone, when we finally did get the ball back after New York kicked the field goal to go up 3-0, you know, he runs a wheel route. My goodness, when when a running back gets an opportunity to run a wheel route, I mean, that is just, that is a, you know, running backs love that. I mean, this is my opportunity to make a big play down the field. They're going to try and sneak me down the sideline, and he's not even looking for the football on a beautiful throw by Dak Prescott, by the way. He put it right where if Tony Pollard gets his head turned the second he turns up field and he locates that football, he's running under that thing and catching it easy for a touchdown. The coverage was not there. It was Dak put perfect air under it. But Tony's not even looking for the football. He's not getting his head around. It's like, bud, you know, you've got to be focused. The very next play, we run a screen to you. I mean, but there ain't no way fans of butts the ball's coming your way. Hits you right in the hands, and you've got blockers out in front. Got to be focused, you know. Uh, there were some early issues. The 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 penalties, you know, early. The, t- takes a touchdown off the board on a brilliant play designed by by Kellen Moore, running a hitch and go from the slot with the perimeter receiver running a a a deep slant to to clear everything out to that side of the end zone. Beautiful play call, worked like a charm. Unfortunately, it comes back for a hold. But all in all, you know, guys, hey. The Cowboys, you know, later in the game, we didn't see quite that many, you know, mistakes like that. We got better on third down the later game the game went, you know, and, and you know, that's, that's kind of what you have to do. Was it a perfect showing? No, but it was still, you know, a game that, that once we got, you know, firmly into the second half was not in question. We're going to go ahead and take a break. Now, when we come back, we're going to continue discussing this Giants-Cowboys uh, game. And we are also going to talk about that defense facing off against the Giants offense that, boy, just didn't have a lot of success. I mean, it's as simple as that. Did not have a lot of success. We'll get to all that when we get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are talking about that Monday night win by the Dallas Cowboys. And, uh, and you know, it's funny, you know, because we've here in the, I'd say, 12 to 14 hours, uh, you know, since the, the game, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, about a particular, you know, sequence where the, the Giants are up. And things seem to be going their way. And then a black cat comes trotting onto the field. And everything gets turned around. Now, you know, I don't know how superstitious, you know, anybody on that field is. I mean, athletes have their superstitions. I had mine when I was, you know, playing sports. I'm sure, you know, some do, some don't. But at the end of the day, I named the cat Mr. Bojangles. I had a buddy who had a black cat named Mr. Bojangles. That's what I'm calling him. You know, he comes out and he runs probably for more yards than Saquon Barkley did all night. You know, and and, and all of a sudden things ch- turn. You know, um, and we end up getting this win. And now we are 4-0 in this division. We have won our last eight games in this division. The last time we were beaten was the first game, it was our, our first matchup with Washington last year. And, you know, I want to talk about that a little bit, Coach Ty, because ever since Dak Prescott, 
and Ezekiel Elliott, and that draft class came in, and this this team kind of went through somewhat of a rebuild, moved on from the Tony Romo, Des Bryant, you know, era. Now, obviously, this offensive line has stayed intact. And yes, this defense has continued to to get built on from what we had at that point. But the bottom line is ever since Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in that draft class, uh, you know, came to town, we have absolutely destroyed the NFC East. And yes, that includes a year where the Philadelphia Eagles won a Super Bowl. We have owned the NFC East. I mean... Talk about how important that success has been to a team that's won two out of the last three divisional titles and is, you know, in pretty good shape to do it a third straight year, or, or I beg your pardon, a third year out of four since Dak and, and company have taken over the reins. Talk about how big that divisional success is for this roster, Coach Ty. Well, I mean, it's a big deal just overall. Uh, you and I talk pre-show. Um the New England Patriots, which, you know, everybody would hold up right now as a standard for organizations and yada, yada, yada when it comes to, uh, you know, professional football. And, I mean, their, their success is, is rightfully garnered. Um, regardless of what you think about cheating this, that, and the other, you can't deny the fact that they are consistently a threat to be in the Super Bowl every year. Well, there's only one way that happens, and that's if you win your division every single year or at least win enough of your division that you can end up in the wild card. Um, the New England Patriots dominate the AFC East. In fact, most people, there's no question in their minds who's going to win the AFC East every year. Um, the Cowboys have done something similar in the NFC East. If you look at the numbers, you know, despite the one year Philadelphia wins the Super Bowl, um, the, the Cowboys, since Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott have got here, have done the exact same thing. They have consistently won against their division opponents. You see them twice a year, and there's no way to get to the playoffs unless you beat them, and that's what's happened. Um, it's a it's a major thing. And, you know, again, again, I love the passion of the Cowboy Nation, but we forget. <laughs> we forget very quickly how, you know, frustrating it was to lose to Washington, to lose to – New York, you know, to lose to Philadelphia one out of every two games, uh, even during the Romo era, and particularly when, you know, before Dak got here and Romo was hurt with the Brandon Whedons of the world, um, that it was a frustrating feeling because you kept thinking to yourself, the Cowboys should be the best team in this division. Well, now they are. And, of course, you know, sometimes perspective uh, changes with, uh, you know, success, I guess. Um, so now, you know, we want to be beyond that as a fan base. And again, this is the argument that people have when it comes to, uh, not only, you know, Dak Prescott and Zeke Kelly and their success, but Jason Garrett and whether or not he should continue to be the coach of this team. And since he's been here, the Cowboys have been more successful against the NFC East and just about any other coach, uh, you know, in, in recent history. So, you know, you've got to look at those things and realize there's only one way to assure yourself to get to the playoffs, and that's when your division. And the Cowboys have done that and are looking to do it for the third year out of four years. So, you know, you can't minimize how important that is when it comes to not only whether or not the Cowboys have a chance to win the Super Bowl, but, you know, how you measure the Cowboys' success in a league where you're 
division record just determines whether or not you have any chance to go further. And I think that's something you got to give credit to that group for. You've got a quarterback who, again, we're trying to decide whether or not we're going to sign him, you know, for a long-term future, who, since he has been here, has won the division almost every year. What does that tell you? The reason absolutely is, is sitting there with, you know, the largest contract for a, uh, a running back in the NFL is because he has been the key to that happening other than Dak Prescott on the offense, you know, and then that offensive line. And, and there's, you know, they had a stat up. The Cowboys give more of their salary cap. I think they said it was 26% of their salary cap goes to the offensive line. Well, duh. Uh, 31. 31, so 31, I think they said. Yeah. Uh, 31% of the salary cap goes to the offensive line. Well, of course it does because they win divisions. Bottom line. So, you know, you've got to look at how things are done. This is not the NBA. This is not Major League Baseball where, you know, if you get in the playoffs, that's what's most important and your division doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah, it does. It matters here. And and if the Cowboys keep doing that, they're going to reach the success at some point that they want to reach and that's, uh, that the fan base here wants to reach. I guarantee you if they don't do that, it won't happen. So, you know, we, we can, as a Cowboys fan base, give a little hat tip to the guys there that are doing it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%, Coach Ty. You know, and, and I'll say this much. You know, there are six divisional games out of your 16 every single year. And if you had a winning record in your division, that's four, five, or six wins to get to a winning record. Four, five, or six. That means in order to get a playoff-worthy record, you only have to go 500 against the rest of the NFL in those other 10 games. Five wins out of 10 will get you a playoff-worthy record if you win, have a winning record in your division. Four, five, six wins. That puts you at 9, 10, or 11 wins. 500 record against the rest of the NFL, winning record versus your division. That's how important these divisional games can be. You know, and, you know, I just, I got to say, man, you know, it's, it, it, it has been a, a, a strength of this team to show up and put out consistent performances against their NFCE, NFC East components. Now, as we wrap up and, and then we're going to get down to a, a little bit more of the, uh, the individuals, the defense versus the offense and vice versa. Before we do that, you know, we did have a few injuries to talk about in this one. Jeff Heath, you know, comes out at one point, uh, you know, with a few injuries. I think he had to have his, his legs stitched up at one point from, I, I think, getting cut by a cleat or, or something to that extent. Um, you know, um, Amari Cooper, you know, boy, he comes down after falling kind of awkwardly. That kind of gave us some flashbacks to that New York Jets game. And all of a sudden, we're worried about, man, is this something, you know, we're going to have to deal with again? Luckily, he was able to come back into the game. Um, Leighton Vanderesh doesn't play in this one. Uh, Cam Fleming doesn't either over a calf injury that might keep him out a few weeks. But outside of that, you know, the Cowboys escaped this pretty healthy. Um, you know, hopefully, Amari Cooper, you know, you know, you know, eventually can get his legs right, uh, whether it's it's the heel he's had issues with, an ankle he's had issues with, a quad, you know, whatever it is. I maybe this one was a knee, you know, but but he's had issues from the waist down kind of throughout the uh the 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 season. So hopefully, you know, 
he can just continue to to gut it out and 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 go out and compete because you know when he's on the field, this offense is completely different. Um, but that's really all the, you know to mention as far as injuries go. Uh, let's 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 get to this defense against the New York Giants offense that you know had a little uh, probably had us more worried than you know than we were in Week One simply because hey they got a young quarterback that can move. You know, they've got Golden Tate back. Uh, they've got Evan Ingram, who's been playing extremely well. Saquon Barkley's back. Um, Darius Slayton has showed up. Outside of that, though, I have to say, um, this defense, you know, did a really, really good job. I'm sorry. And Saquon Barkley, I'll say this much. He did not look healthy. You know, outside of going straight ahead on that one screen, this wasn't a guy that was breaking tackles. This wasn't a guy that looked just completely explosive in the open field. Um, you know, he, he did not look the same. However, anytime you can hold him to two yards a carry, 14 carries, 28 yards. And and by the way, him catching the football, he's a weapon too. Take that one screen away, that 65-yard screen pass away. He caught five balls for two yards. Guys, Saquon Barkley mattered for one play of this football game. One play. That ended up resulting in three points, by the way. I mean, that is outstanding. Coach Ty, talk about how, you know, the, the Cowboys have showed a knack for this. We've done it against Alvin Kamara, you know, in back-to-back matchups in each of the last two years. You know, we face teams that have got a running back with similar playmaking ability to what Zeke Elliott has, and we have found ways to shut them down. Talk about how big that is for this team. Well, the the good thing about it is is and it was a comment Troy Aikman made last night. When you can run the football, you can win in all types of of weather. You can win in all types of of situations. It translates to the playoffs, and the opposite is also true. If you can stop the run, in particularly when you've got a high profile back like Saquon Barkley, in any situation, you have a chance to win the football game. And that's what you saw last night with the Cowboys and their defense. Now, we've been talking for weeks about the fact that, you know, the Cowboys have been a little bit loose in the run game and letting backs kind of tear them up for yardage. And even though it would seem like the Cowboys would, would bow their back a little bit and get a third down stop or a fourth down stop in the red zone, you didn't even have any of that really in this game um, because the Cowboys hemmed up Saquon Barkley so well. And the Cowboys defensive line played extremely well. Um, not only, you know, with the pass rush, um, you know, Daniel Jones had somebody in space all the time and, you know, threw a lot of check down routes, um, and, you know, got some yards out of it and that's all well and good, but ultimately a lot of it was not things that caused threats to the scoreboard. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that, you know, they were in long yardage situations on third down because Saquon Barkley was getting a yard, two yards. Uh, sometimes getting blasted in the backfield. Michael Bennett had a couple of, you know, good tackles, uh, you know, behind the line of scrimmage of Saquon Barkley. Sean Lee had an amazing tackle uh, where he literally just knifed the gap where they're trying to run power, uh, you know, to the right side of the formation. And, and Sean Lee comes in there and looks like Sean Lee of, you know, 2014, um, just, you know, destroying the play. So, you know, those are things that are great positives for the Cowboys 
going forward in the playoffs, going into the meat of the schedule that they're about to hit. Um, if they can stop the run and make a team one-dimensional, you're going to see more of the turnovers that you saw, uh, you know, in this game. Now, the Giants really did help us by, you know, just being able to put the ball on the ground at any point, particularly Daniel Jones. But, again, that's who you want carrying the football. You want your quarterback having to carry the football in scrambles as opposed to running back taking it and tucking it away and getting seven yards a pop, which is ironically, when we talk about offense, we'll get to it, what the Cowboys did with Zeke Elliott. It just basically ran the ball down the Giants' throat, and they had no answer for it. And, again, you see the results. The results are Cowboys win, Giants lose. So those are things that have to happen. They're not just trite cliches in the NFL. When you make a team one-dimensional, and the easiest way to do that is to stop the run game, it makes it a lot easier for a defense to key in and, and to win a football game. Absolutely does, you know, and and um, I have to be honest, you know, Ezekiel Zeke, Elliott, you know, and Saquon Barkley are the two best backs in the league, in my opinion. I mean, complete backs. You know, Christian McCaffrey is having a heck of a season. I wouldn't necessarily call him a complete back. Boy, they are sure, you know, running him to death in Carolina right now, and he's producing. You know, Dalvin Cook is playing very, very good football right now as well. But but Zeke and, and, and Saquon are about as complete and about as top-end as you get. And the difference in their two performances was was a big reason why this game fell as easily as it did to the Cowboys there in the second half. Um, And then, you know, you talk about Daniel Jones. And guys, I nicknamed him last week. You know, everybody calls him Danny Dimes. I called him Danny Dimes with his two-cent arm. And, you know, we saw a little bit of that in this one, you know, uh, you know, that Xavier Woods interception, I give Xavier Woods credit for everything he did prior to the interception. Uh, but at the end of the day, Dan, Daniel Jones does not have the arm strength to, 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 to rifle that thing down the field and hit a throw like that, having waited that long. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that, that he didn't have the arm strength, that that ball was going to be underthrown. And because... Xavier Woods did not allow himself to be moved with with Daniel when Daniel Jones tried to look him off to the other half of the field as a single high safety because he stayed true to his position and broke on Daniel Jones opening up his shoulders, which is exactly the way you're taught it. Then that's you know that's why Xavier Woods was in that play, and even if it had been you know a a Patrick Mahomes, a, a, you know somebody with much better arm strength than than what Daniel Jones has, you know. Th- Xavier Woods still would have been in position to make a play on the football as it got to the receiver. Um, but having said that, you know, the Cowboys, they really, you know, they took advantage of a New York Giants offensive line that just flat out was not playing well. And, you know, uh, and none of them, none of them were her. I mean, I think the only player that played half decent was Will Hernandez. And a big reason that was is because he was able to coax a number of 15 yard penalties on the Dallas Cowboys for, you know, for getting in his face and talking trash to him. But outside of that, I mean, we, we made it to where they, they had no confidence that they could run the football and they had no confidence that Daniel Jones could do some of those deeper drops. Everything was short and quick. 210 yards on 26 completions. Guys, that's not good. I mean, that means you are not throwing the football down the field very often. And oh, by the way, that comes with a 65-yard screen pass attached to it. You subtract that, we're talking about 145 receiving yards or or, or passing yards on 25 uh, passes. Guys, 
That is a lot of throws within five yards or less from the line of scrimmage. That's just not, when you play at this level, that's not going to get it done. Not with the level of, of speed defenses play with. When you got guys like Jalen Smith and Xavier Woods and a number of these other guys that can close the way they do, that's just not going to work. But unfortunately, that's what the Giants were limited to because they had no no confidence in that offensive line because of the way our defensive line played. And let's get to a few individuals before we take a um, take a break here. First of all, Coach Ty, you know, talk about Sean Lee. I mean, this guy, you want to talk about nostalgic. This looked like the Sean Lee of old. This looked like Sean Lee, you know, had, you know, had a chip on his shoulder, wanted to prove that, hey, you know what, I'm, you know, to, to quote a, you know, a country song, I may not be as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Well, Sean Lee, he proved it, man. He came out and had, the, uh, you know, a game that looked like the Sean Lee of old. Talk about how huge that was for this defense. Yeah, you know, one of the big questions coming to this game was, you know, whether or not the Cowboys would still be able to be dominant against Saquon Barkley with, uh, you know, Leighton Vanderish on the shelf. And... You know, Sean Lee stepped in there, and like I said, he looked like he kicked the the, the the clock back. You know, not just you know to standard time since we just rolled through daylight savings time, but you know, five ten years. You know, he he looked like the he was definitely the best. And we talked about this pre-show, the best Penn State player on the field. And uh, I don't think anybody would have guessed that pre you know pre-game. Um, and he just. He, he did what we had expected Sean Lee to do for many, many years before the injuries, which was he was able to very quickly read what was going on. He made sure tackles. Um, heck, even, you know, in coverage, uh, you know, they picked on him a couple of times or attempted to with Golden Tate, um, and he just knocked the ball down. And it was like, okay, yeah, I've seen that before, and you're not going to complete it now, just like you didn't when I was up here, you know, a few years ago. Um, it's just a, a testament to how hard this guy works. Um, it's a testament to how good he is. Um, and, you know, it's a great situation for the Cowboys that Sean Lee is really our third linebacker in a system that really uses two linebackers most of the time. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a great thing. If you're a Cowboys fan and you care about the integrity of the organization and you want to see people who have been great Cowboys uh, do well, you, you were really happy last night to watch Sean Lee do what he did. Yeah. And you know, guys, it's, it's a testament to the man too. And the teammate he is because think about it guys how many wide receivers once they're no longer a number one overall option once their speed diminishes or their quickness diminishes and 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 suddenly they're no longer that number one wide out how many of those guys just stop playing say you know what hey i'm done no i'm not going to be some number three receiver not gonna not gonna help out on special teams you know how many quarterbacks, once their starting days are over, no, I'm not going to, I mean, guys, let me tell you something. There's plenty of starting quarterbacks in this league that could get another five, six years out of their playing careers as a backup, simply because of the knowledge. They don't need the practice time, which is what you're not going to get. I mean, you're not going to get practice time as a backup quarterback. How many running backs, after they're no longer the feature guy, stick around to be, you know, the third back, you know, there's just not many guys out there that, that, that 
continue to prepare themselves once they've been knocked down to a secondary role and they're out of their prime. And, you know, kudos to Sean Lee for still preparing because there's a lot of guys, their egos just won't allow that. And that's, that's human nature, you know? You know, that your ego just won't allow it. Your pride won't allow it. This guy, you know, uh, I, I remember a, a certain disgruntled, F, you know, cowboy receiver at one point on his way out pointing out Sean Lee as somebody that uh, that was part of the reason that he's, you know, he, he thought he was gone. And, you know, I'll say this much. I, you know, you can take a side with Des Bryant or or the 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 Garrett boys, as he called it, or or the Garrett guys. But the bottom line is, when you see the way Sean Lee prepares to play this football game, knowing he's not going to have a big role, guys, I I just don't know how you couldn't want that in fifty three players across your 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 team, fifty three human beings like Sean Lee on your team. That's what every coach dreams of, and you know what? It paid off on Monday night. Um, you know, let, let, let's quickly uh, talk about a few others before we take a break. First off, Jeff Heath goes down. Darian Thompson, holy cow, bud. I, I tell you, he makes plays closer to the line of scrimmage than either one of our other two safeties do. And a lot of times, it's because he's reacting quicker. We got to find a way to get this guy on the football field more often. And kudos to, uh, I want to say it was Dave Hellman or Rob Phillips. I can't remember who it was over at DallasCowboys.com. They did an article, though, um, during uh, before the bye week, if I'm not mistaken, or, or uh, in the middle of the bye week, about uh, five players that we want to see more of. And, you know, he named the Tony Pollards. He named guys like that. He named Xavier Suofilo, possibly getting some time at left guard. Um but the safety that, you know, it's funny. Who was it going to be, you know, at that safety position? Of course, it's it's Donovan Wilson, the guy who got turnovers in the preseason. He No, he says, no, I want to see more of Darian Thompson because when he filled in for Xavier Woods, he looked sharp. And I think that he deserves the first opportunity to get some reps in, uh, in, in you know, in place of a Jeff Heath or a, a Xavier Woods. And you know what? Kudos to him because I did not agree with him at the time because this team needed to be creating more turnovers. But you know what? I agree 100% at this point. We need to see more of Darian Thompson on the field. Um, you know, like you said, Michael Bennett was everything we'd hoped he'd be as a defensive end and a an interior presence on the pass rush, made plays in the backfield against the run, got himself a sack, um, you know, loved that. Jalen Smith, and you know, had probably his most active game. Demarcus Lawrence looked like, you know, that was his best game of the season. He was probably the most consistent football uh, defensive player on the field for us. You know, maybe Sean Lee, you know, would have something to say about that. But that was definitely the best we've seen Tank Lawrence play. But I want to ask you this, Coach Ty, because we had a list of breakout candidates coming into this season. And they they included a number of names that had not lived up to it to this point. But I got to say this much. Xavier Woods, two turnovers. And like I say, the interception was gifted, but all the actions leading up to the interception were all on him. He put himself in position to be able to make a play on a duck thrown by Daniel Jones and his two-cent arm. Jordan Lewis makes a number of plays tackling the ball carrier, and then, obviously, you know, the big fumble return late. Malik Collins, a number of times, gets penetration in the backfield that fumbles up plays. 
gets himself a sack. You know, those three were breakout candidates when we talked preseason, Coach Ty. Talk about how important it is for this defense, for guys like that. Demarcus Lawrence is eventually going to be Demarcus Lawrence. He's starting to show that. Same with Jalen Smith. Byron Jones has been terrific. Robert Quinn. You know, the the, the stars are eventually going to become the stars that they're supposed to. Those guys aren't stars. Those guys are trying to, you know, get to start. Talk about how important that is for the defense. Guys like those three stepping up and playing well, Coach Todd. Well, I mean, the biggest thing about it is you can game plan for stars, and you're going to game plan for stars. Um, you can, you know, you can put in max protection to to keep Robert Quinn and, and Tank Lawrence out of the backfield. Um, you can, you know, throw the ball away from Xavier Woods, uh, but when you have guys step up that are not, you know, the guys that you've planned to purposely stay away from or to purposely, uh, you know, do something to adjust to. Now you have to play honest as an offense, and you've got to be sharper about what you're doing in order to execute. And ultimately, when you have somebody who does something that disrupts a player, disrupts a, a set, or disrupts a you know a a, a plan with a you know a receiver or a running back out in the open field, it's when turnovers happen. And that is what we saw take place uh, a little bit with the Giants. Is what we saw take place a little bit with Philly. And if that continues, the Cowboys are going to continue to have uh, success, which keeps the score low, uh, you know, against the Cowboys. And with a Cowboys offense that does a pretty good job of putting points on the board, even if it is late, um, that, that's a recipe for winning. So um, it makes an offense have to account for every player on the football field. And that is ultimately what matters. Um, because it, it makes that offense have to execute and have to execute well, if not perfectly, uh, in order to move the ball down the field when you've got guys like that who step up. And uh, that's a good recipe for success for the, for the Cowboy defense. Yes, sir, it is. Yes, sir, it is. Xavier Woods creating turnovers. That's what this defense needs. Jordan Lewis, I challenged him to, to play well enough with Anthony Brown down. To, to put Chris Richard in the position where it's like, dude, I just I can't take him off the field. He didn't. Jordan Lewis played a lot more snaps, even with Anthony Brown back. Malik Collins, you know, but this was your best effort of the season. And, you know, it's funny. It was your best effort against the run. You know, yes, you got a sack. And, and that's the thing. If... That's what I want is that 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 effort against the run to build your confidence because when we do put you in the nickel with Michael Bennett, Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, you are the easy, you know, least dangerous uh, pass rusher in that four. Therefore, you are always going to get one on one without a doubt. If defensive line or if offensive coordinators and, and and quarterbacks and offensive linemen are scheming their protection to double you and leave those three one on one, then you know what? Uh, then, then somebody's getting fired. Malik Collins, you're going to see a ton of one on one matchups in the nickel. And if you can build that confidence through the game with what you do against the run to where it comes to a passing down and you have your you you've got momentum working in your favor but you're going to earn yourself a heck of a paycheck at the end of this season. I sure hope that keeps up. 
We're going to go ahead and take a break now. When we come back, we will talk about this offense and uh, and all the good things that they did, obviously, running the football, throwing the football uh, up front. We'll get to all that when we uh, get back here on the Big D Beatdown. And we are back here on the Big D Beatdown. Uh, I'm your host, Austin Smith, joined as always by Coach Ty Rogers. And we are continuing to talk about this Cowboys win on Monday Night Football against the New York Giants. And, uh, you know, let's talk about this Cowboys offense uh, and just how well they played against this defense. I mean, le- and, and, and Coach Ty, I mean, let's, let's point out the obvious. And to many people, there there may be different obviouses. For me, the obvious is the fact that Dak Prescott had to introduce himself to a lot of those guys on the defensive side of the football because that was the first time they got to speak all day with him. You know, Ezekiel Elliott had all the room in the world to run. Why? Because the five up front are continuing to do an outstanding job. And, you know, talk about it, Coach Ty. I mean, th- this offensive line you know, with what we saw against Philadelphia, with what we saw against the Giants, with what we saw at other times this year, you know, and they've gone through some injury issues. But they have continued to be successful. Talk about how how important it is for this offense that this offensive line that is getting 31% of our salary cap continue to play like they deserve that much, sir. Continue to play flawless football the way they have. I mean, it just makes it easy for the offense to move the football. And you look at what Zeke Elliott did against the Giants. It didn't matter where it was on the field. It didn't matter what the situation was. Zeke was getting four, five, six, seven yards uh, on first down. And when the Cowboys have second and three, third and two, there's going to be good things to happen because the Cowboys are doing a great job this year spreading the football around, getting guys involved. Um, you know, I think they're doing a much better job of, of getting those guys in situations and formations where uh, they are, you know, given the opportunity to excel and to get uh, one-on-one matchups. Dak Prescott's doing a better job of getting the ball out on time. And it makes it easy for the Cowboys to walk down and score. Um, and it seemed like that, particularly in the second half, uh, there was not much that the Giants could do to, to slow them down. And, you know, it's easy to say, well, it's the New York Giants. But the New York Giants' front four is one of the best in the league. Uh, those guys are not easy to push around. They're designed to, to stop the run. That's what that whole defensive line has been brought in to do and the whole scheme change up in New York is that they wanted to be better at stopping the run against the, the, the Eagles and the Cowboys. And those guys uh, that they pushed around, teams have had problems all year running the ball against. And the Cowboys' offensive line moved them wherever they wanted to, made big gaps in the, in the running game, uh, you know, gave Zeke Elliott room, gave Dak Prescott room, and that set up everything else. Then when you are trying to throw the football, um, you know, that play-action game, the RPO game that we talked about earlier, becomes very, very effective because that defensive line can't just rush up the field and rush the passer. And even when they did, Cowboys offensive line gave Dak Prescott all day most of the game to find his receivers and throw the football. That is what you have to have to be a successful offense. You can go the other direction 
and say, okay, well, if I've got this guy and that guy skill-wise, then I should be able to produce offense. But it doesn't work like that. If you have those guys and you can't get the ball to them because your quarterback can't stay upright, I mean, look at the Cleveland Browns, for instance, um, you're not going to be able to produce offense when it matters. And the Cowboys can because they have those guys up front. 31% of the salary cap may seem like a big number, but uh, it's worth every penny and then some. Um, and as long as those guys are healthy and pushing people around, the Cowboys have a chance against anybody. Absolutely, sir. Um, you know, and, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head with, with just how, how, how important third and manageable is, how important third and short is to this team, because guys that, that third, third and less than five, the Cowboys can run it. They can throw it. And even if they choose to throw it, Dak Prescott can still, you know, take off. You know, there are so many different ways this team can pick up first downs in third and manageable. You know, uh, and 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 that offensive line, I, I'll tell you, you know, that offensive line just they made Zeke's job easy. Now I will say this, Mr. Zeke Elliott, you had probably your best football game of the year as well, with the quickness he showed, with the power he showed. I mean, Zeke Elliott looked decisive, he looked confident, and he continuously fell forward for extra yards, as did Tony Pollard, by the way. Consistently fell forward for extra yards, the two of them did. And that matters. It matters so much when when you, you have all the weapons the Cowboys do to get yourself in those third and short situations. Oh, by the way, Got back to our play action and, and RPO game. Yes, the first RPO, you know, didn't work out like we wanted it to. But my goodness, Coach Ty, how open was Jason Witten on some of those, you know, naked bootlegs? I mean, you faked a run. You bootlegged the other way, knowing that you're probably going to have someone in your face, which Dak, you know, didn't even have that much, you know, most of the time. And there's Jason Witten, all reliable, wide open in the flats, catching it and turning it upfield. You know, talk about how you know, you know, this is how, how we were able to get back to the play action pass in this one. Well, I mean, like we talked about, starts of the run game. The the Giants could do anything to stop Zeke Elliott, and so they had to play on us on the run. Um, you know, the, the Cowboys are a zone based team for the most part, and so. Uh, you can't just, you know, underplay that play and, and hope that you can, you know, uh, play a bootleg or, or something like that and just sit on it and wait for Dak Prescott to roll out. And then, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, the old man Jason Witten is when it comes to football. Uh, he knows how to, to press like he's blocking, make that defensive end think that he's engaged and then pop off and, and literally come scot-free. Um you know, we talked a little bit pre-show. We kind of wish it was Blake Jarwin because uh, in the third quarter, he breaks one off. Uh, you know, the Giants missed a tackle, and Jason Witten literally looked like he was, you know, trying to shuffle to get to the 10 yards. Um, you know, but at the same time, it just shows uh, when you can run the football effectively, it makes the, the pass game easy. It really does. And with Dak Prescott being as mobile as he is and, and as able as he is to be able to throw accurately on the run, it adds a dynamic that makes it very difficult uh, to stop for most defenses. And uh, you see that around the league. Um, you know, the, the, def the offense that is most similar to 
the Cowboys, as far as style right now, is the San Francisco 49ers. And Jimmy Garoppolo is making the same living off of the play-action pass and the bootleg. Um, when you can run the football and you've got guys in the pass game, particularly tight ends, that can create matchup problems, then it makes third and four an easy down for you, and thus you sustain drives and are able to move the ball and get in the end zone. Yeah, I, um, and, and you're right, man. Think if if Jason Witten, you know, if we could have put Blake Jarwin in on one of those bootleg naked, you know, those naked bootlegs, um, and, and the reason they call it naked is because you've got no protection. If that defensive end doesn't buy on the run fake, then you know, then then guess what? He's going to be in your chest right as you're turning your head. So I mean, it, you really do have to sell the run fake, and you have to have you know, establish the run in order for that to work. But my goodness, you get one of those to Blake Jarwin in the open field, the way Jason Witten got a few of them, just one. And we saw what he did on the catch on the sidelines. He'll turn it into a, a big play, especially against the Giants. Boy, Blake Jarwin, he loves playing these New York Giants. He always finds pay dirt against the Giants. I think that's, what, that, that's five touchdowns in his uh, three I, I think three career games versus the Giants. I don't know if he played in that first uh, Giants game last year, but he, even so, uh, in his last three in his last three games against the Giants, he's got five touchdowns. Um, you know, and and, and I want to close out with this on the offense. You know, um, love the idea of spreading the football around. Dak Prescott, for the most part, he took what the defense gave him. He didn't have to force much. Got the ball to Amari Cooper. Also got it to Randall Cobb on some big third downs. Gosh, the only blemish Cobb had, you know, but there was a ball that maybe he could have hauled in on a comeback on a uh, a bootleg. Um, it was a low throw, but still one that, you know, Randall Cobb's capable of making. It wasn't, the, you know, the easiest play, but you still hope that 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 he would make that because it was in the red zone. Um, but, you know, and then obviously the fumble, but, you know, you know, he catches that ball on third down. If you just hold on to the football, then we've moved the chains again. You know, but those plays, uh, you know, outside of that, Randall Cobb still made some big plays. Jason Witten, gosh, looked like he turned back the, you know, the clock, and and all of a sudden he's bringing in eight receptions. Uh, Blake Jarwin has a big play. Michael Gallup has a couple of big plays. Uh, you know, Tony Pollard has a catch. Ezekiel Elliott has a catch. You know, overall. Dak get a good job of spreading the ball out and taking what the defense gave him. If there's one criticism, I will say, yes, we had some third down issues early in the game. And also, you know, this Cowboy receivers, and it wasn't just the receivers in this one, but guys, we've got to catch the football. You know, we cannot continue to lead the league in drops because, you know, I'll say this much, Amari Cooper down the seam, that was Dak Prescott's best throw of the day. He puts it in tight coverage down the seam on Cooper's back shoulder. And gosh, Coop, I need you to catch that football, man. That Now, yes, we did end up going down and scoring later on that drive. And I'm pretty sure it was Amari Cooper on that crossing route that did it. But still, man, that's, you know, when Dak Prescott makes a throw like that, bud, we've got, we have got to, you know, to, to bring it in for him. You know, when he puts up a gorgeous floater, in the end zone on a wheel route to Tony Pollard, but you have got to get your head around and be expecting that football to come to you, even if it's not. Because if you do, that's an easy seven points. It was a beautifully designed play. It worked to perfection, except for one player wasn't focused the way he needed to be. Obviously, we had the drop to, you know, 
the uh, the the dropped uh, screen as well. But guys, we've got to continue to make those plays because those three plays I'm talking about right there, and even the fourth one where Randall Cobb couldn't haul in the low pass, man, all four of those plays would have been big plays if we make the if we make the catch. Got to got to got to get more more consistent in that area. But outside of that, this offense, you know, continued to move the football. Zeke Elliott, 140 yards rushing. Um, you know, uh, Dak Prescott, you know, three touchdowns. Yes, the one pick, but you know, outside of that, you know, this offense was a humming. Um, let's talk about this now, Coach Ty. Let's close out the show with this. We are now five and three at the midway point in the season. And this was the easy part of the schedule, Coach Ty. There was a lot of people that said we needed to be even 6-2 and two or 7-1 and one through these first eight because now it gets difficult. Now, yes, not all the opponents are going to be quite as, as competitive as we thought they were going to be. But still, you know, the, the schedule gets much tougher. We've got Minnesota coming to visit. we still got to go to New England. Yes, we'll get the Rams on 10 days rest, but it's still the Los Angeles Rams, the team that beat you pretty good in the playoffs last year. We still have to go to Philly. Those are four games against teams that are just as good, if not better, than we are. So far, against the only two teams that we've played that were as good, if not better, than we were in the Saints and Packers, we haven't we haven't been able to pull out a W. Can't 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 lose all four of those teams. Definitely got to win at least one or two of those games. Now, not to mention, hey, we got to go to Chicago. And yes, Chicago doesn't look very good right now. And by the time we get to them in Week 14, it may not look pretty. But you know, hey, it's still Chicago. You know, late in the season, that's not going to be an easy matchup. Still got to play a Buffalo team that's defense is playing very very good. Offense is as inconsistent as it gets. But, hey, if that defense can make plays, which they always seem to do, all you need is for your offense to step up a few times to make the difference. You know, uh, still got to play Detroit Lions team who does not make it easy on anybody. Talk about, uh, you know, talk about the second half of this schedule, Coach Ty. You know, um, uh, you know, talk about how important it is for this Cowboys team who has been able to find a little bit of consistency on both sides of the football in these last two games against the Giants and Eagles. Talk about how it's going to be important to compound on that, to get more consistent, to build on that through the tougher part of this schedule in order to make sure that we are the NFC East champs and we are getting ourselves into the playoff picture. I mean, bottom line is this, the Cowboys have to continue to be able to dictate the style of football that they want to play to these opponents that are coming in and have uh, the ability to play with the Cowboys athletically. I mean, this is what it comes down to. You're not going to overwhelm, um, you know, you might be able to overwhelm Minnesota, you might be able to overwhelm Chicago, but you're not going to overwhelm. Um, you know, uh, New England, you're not going to overwhelm, you know, any of the other opponents the Cowboys have in that schedule. And so you've got to be able to dictate the style of football. You've got to wear down uh, defenses with the Zeke Elliott and the boys up front. You've got to get turnovers on defense. Those are things that have to happen for the Cowboys to be successful in this, this run. Um, I think that they're very capable of doing that and being consistent with it. Uh, but you can't have the meltdowns that you had earlier in the season. And the Cowboys have to continue to work hard 
at getting rid of the mistakes, the penalties, the drops, the, the things that we talked about. Um, if that happens, the Cowboys are going to be where they belong come the end of the season, and the Cowboys game translates anywhere that you want to go in the playoffs. Um, if not, then it's going to be a disappointing season, and it shouldn't be. I, I agree 100%. You know, you, you said it perfect. Dictate. We have to continue to dictate the flow of the game based on what we do well, which you're exactly right. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line having success. And defensively, you know, hey, I love this performance. Five sacks, three turnovers. Guys, you know, we, we do that, you know, it, it's putting us in a good position. I mean, with, with the way our offense, with the talent we have on our offense, if the defense is getting five sacks, if the defense is, you know, holding teams one for five in the red zone as far as touchdowns are concerned, the defense is getting off the field on third down, the defense is creating turnovers. You do those things, and we run the football the way we're supposed to. Guys, that is what this team was supposed to be able to do when this season opened. You do that, you can beat anybody remaining on the schedule. Anybody, but you have to do it. You have to dictate the flow of the game to, to, to fit to our strengths. Well put coach Ty. And we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Cowboys fans, be sure and join us next time when we all get together and, and talk about this Minnesota Vikings game coming up. Uh, already got a bit of news on this Vikings game. Um, that Andy, uh, you know, Adam Thielen is, is, is not going to be playing in this one. Uh, so, I mean, that's,